0: I had a dream several years ago. And uh, yes, I'm about to tell you my dream. Uh, so in my dream, I saw a grassy hill. And on the hill were, was a, a man who was looking away from me to the horizon. And next to that man was a golden retriever. This is my dream. And uh, instinctively, I knew that the man was Jesus. I don't know how I knew that. I just knew it was Jesus. And I was slowly being drawn towards Jesus, and there was no sense of fear uh, in me, but there was a little sense of not yet. Like, I I want this, but not yet. And then Jesus turned, and he looked at me, and he smiled. And and it was a smile that that just radiated warmth It was a smile and a kind expression on his face that that was saying to me, Scott, I love you, and I've got you. No words were spoken. It was just a smile. And then Jesus turned back and looked to the horizon, and that's when I woke up. Was that just a dream? Maybe. Might it have been a vision that God gave me? I, I believe so. In the very first sentence of the Bible it says God created the heavens and the earth the world we live in is a world of the earth that we know that's in our face every day it's the world that we we perceive by our senses we hear we see we touch taste smell we have the world of the earth and we have the world of the heavens and for for most of our lives, it feels like these worlds are just worlds apart. The the earth rattles in our ears, but only occasionally do we get a whisper from heaven. And maybe that whisper comes to us in a dream, like it did for me. Or maybe it comes as you pray, or you're reading the scriptures, or in an act of devotion or worship. Maybe it comes to you as you're listening to a song, and you're you're carried away to a transcendent place with the Lord. Maybe it's as you take a stroll through nature that you experience God, you experience that that whisper, or even a, a relationship with a close friend. We can experience God. For most of our lives, it feels like the veil between heaven and earth is is just enormously thick, but then we have those whispers and it occurs to us that maybe, maybe the veil that separates heaven and earth isn't so thick after all. Many of our uh, stories that we love play on this idea that there is another world, there's something else, there's something in us. God says he's placed eternity in our hearts, so there's something in us that just intuitively knows there's something more. This world is not all there is, and so we have all of our stories that play on that idea. We've got the, the story of Jacob's ladder, where Jacob saw this ladder extending up to heaven and, and angels descending and ascending like this ladder is a portal to heaven. But then we have all of these fictitious stories. We've got the, the story of oh Peter and Susman and Edmund and, and Lucy who find a wardrobe, and walk to the back of the wardrobe, and the next thing you know, it's a portal, and they're in the land of Narnia. Or we've got Harry with his grocery cart who runs into that nine and three quarters pillar on the King's Cross Railway, and the next thing he knows, he's in Hogwarts. Or for some of us who are older, we can go back to Dorothy, and the tornado and the whirlwind takes her from Kansas, and she wakes up, and she's in... Oz. All of these stories play on this idea that maybe the veil between this world and the other world is thin. Maybe it's extraordinarily thin. We've been working our way through the gospel of Mark, and we're in a a stretch of scripture that would all fall under the banner of journey. Jesus is on the journey from Galilee to Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross, The disciples are on a journey of understanding who Jesus is. And where we left off last week, it's been hard for the disciples. Jesus has said some things that were, frankly, very hard for them to hear that they didn't like. He said, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected. And I'm going to be killed. And that did not fit with the manuscript that they were reading from. They didn't expect any of those things. They expected a a conquering king, not a suffering servant. They expected him to reign supremely, not be supremely rejected. They expected a victor, not a a victim. He explained to them, this must happen. It's necessary for this to happen. I'm going to suffer be rejected and killed, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again from the dead. But I don't think they heard anything about that rise again part. They were fixating on the fact that he was going to be killed. So they're disheartened, disillusioned, maybe depressed, in need of a whisper, a whisper from God, a whisper from heaven. And as we continue in our scripture today in Mark chapter 9, God gives them that whisper. And before we go to the the scripture, I just want to say that maybe those words describe you today for any number of reasons. Disheartened, discouraged, depressed, disillusioned, in need of a whisper from God. I believe God desires to give us that whisper. And so join me as we pray. Lord, we thank you for... uh, your word. And Lord, we recognize that your word is is a whisper that you've given to us. And so we pray that you would help us turn towards you and hear all that you have for us this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. I pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them to a high mountain where they were all alone. I'm going to just stop there. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. Alone with Jesus at the top of a very high mountain, the stage is set for something special to happen And the disciples, I believe, know it. Uh, Maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't, that there is hardly a Sunday goes by that one of our worship songs that we sing doesn't have a lyric or two or three that include a mountain. We sing a lot uh, about a mountain, And, and I don't think that's because Nate just searches songs that include lyrics about mountains. Uh, The reason that is is because songwriters love the imagery that a mountain affords. They love the metaphor of the mountain. And the reason also is because mountains show up in our scriptures a lot. Things happen at the top of the mountain. It may seem primitive to us today, to our modern mind today, but throughout history, people have believed that the higher you're able to get... The closer to heaven, the closer to the gods, or closer to God, you get. That conviction is in virtually every religion. You go back all the way to the Tower of Babel and you see it there. Come, let us make a name for ourselves, they said. And so they began to build a tower up to the heavens. It's not by chance that if you go into most towns like ours today that the highest building in that town will be the steeple of the church. That's by design. The steeple was built to to take our eyes up to the heavens to, to see God. God often chose to reveal himself in special ways from the top of the mountain all throughout Scripture. The most defining moment in the Old Testament happened at the top of a mountain God led Moses up the mountain. He had taken his people out of Egypt, brought them to the base of Mount Sinai. The cloud descended on the mountain for six days. God called Moses up into the cloud, and there he met with Moses. And he gave him the law, gave him the commandments that were to to guide and form the the people of God, form a, a nation, God's people. And then when Moses came down the second time, his face was so radiant from having met with God, reflecting the glory of God, that the people couldn't look at him. He had to veil his face whenever he spoke to the people. And so now, many years later, Jesus says to Peter, James, and John, let's go up the mountain. They don't think, hey, we're just going for a hike. We're going for a, a nice stroll through nature. This is going to be awesome. No, they're thinking something's going to happen. Things happen at the top of the mountain. The, the top of the mountain, the high these are the high places. You read about them in Scripture. Pagans built their altars at the high places. Temples were built at the, the high places. The high places is the place of worship. And Jesus is saying, "Let's go to a high place. We're going up the mountain. They have expectations but they're probably a little bit afraid because they just had their expectations dashed. Jesus is going to be the conquering king, this Messiah who sets up this earthly kingdom. No, he's not going to be that, they discover. And now they've got some expectations. Something's going to happen, but do we dare hope? Do we dare have any expectations? And so they get to the top of the mountain, and sure enough, they get their whisper from God. But it doesn't happen by God immediately descending. No, it's Jesus. It's the one they've been following for three years. This man who is so very human, he transfigures right in front of their eyes. Mark writes, There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white. Whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. It's almost as if Mark can't find the right words to describe this, like the vocabulary is insufficient to describe what Jesus looked like. His clothes became dazzling white, but that's not sufficient. And so he says, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. So white. Uh, I learned during my short tenure as a a painter that there are hundreds of shades of white. Antique white, shell white, oyster white, bone white, china white, natural white, brilliant white. There is even a shade of paint that's called white white. Go to the paint store and order white white. You feel kind of silly. I'll have the white white. Several days earlier, Jesus told them he was going to suffer. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be killed. They believed he was the Messiah, but now maybe they've got some doubts. This transfiguration right in front of their face had to relieve some of those anxieties about whether Jesus really was the one. Not only did they see Jesus, but they see Moses, and they see Elijah, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Probably the same way I knew it was Jesus in my dream. Moses and Elijah weren't wearing name tags. They just knew. God gave them this awareness that this is Moses and this is Elijah. Moses had died long ago, and there's some mystery around his death. Did God Was God the one who buried Moses and Elijah? There was a lot of mystery around his departure. Remember, he was taken up in a whirlwind. The chariot of fire came down. And throughout, throughout the years, all kinds of explanations and, and fantastic ideas were, were created in, in Judaism about Moses and Elijah, and now here they are with Jesus right in front of the disciples. Listen to Peter. Peter said to Jesus, "'Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah.'" He didn't know what to say. He was so awestruck. Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. This is more like it. This is kind of what we've wanted to see. Enough of this talk about rejection and being killed. We love seeing you in your glory. In fact, let's put up a couple tents so that we can prolong this. Let's build some shelters for you and Moses and Elijah. We don't want this party to end. Well, the party's about to get even better. Then the cloud appeared. And you can bet the disciples are making the connection. When the cloud appears at the top of the mountain, God's getting ready to speak. The cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Suddenly, it's all over. The voice appears. This is my, the voice sounds. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The veil was removed, and they have this direct experience of God. They hear the literal voice of God, and these words are familiar. Mark wrote these words once before in Mark chapter 1, verse 11. Remember when Jesus was baptized? And as he came out of the water, the Spirit descended on him, and God spoke then, another whisper from heaven. God spoke then, although it was slightly different. Instead of saying, this is my son, he said, you are my son. He was speaking directly to Jesus. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You see, I think God was preparing Jesus for what was coming next. He's about to go into the wilderness for 40 days and be tempted by by Satan. And so he's giving Jesus the whisper that Jesus needs. You are my son whom I love. But now he's speaking to Peter, James, and John. This is my son. This one that you just saw transfigure in front of you. This one that you've been following. This one that, frankly, you're a little disheartened about disillusioned by, this is my son, and your job is to listen to him. Listen to him. And so they're coming down the mountain. Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This time they heard it. It says they kept the matter to themselves, but they began to discuss what rising from the dead meant. You see the shift? He's been talking about this rising from the dead thing, and we've been kind of glossing over that, fixating on the he's going to suffer and be killed. And now they're discussing, what does it mean that he's going to rise from the dead? It wouldn't be long before they would be the ones telling the world about Jesus' crucifixion, how he had to die and how he rose from the dead. God had given them the, a window into heaven. He had taken that veil which they thought was so thick and they discovered it's incredibly thin. He had revealed himself to them and now they are sent out and they are to tell the world. Peter later writes an epistle and he reflects back on this experience. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 18, this is how Peter describes this experience. He writes, we didn't follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't a tale that we've made up, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it with our own eyes, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We've heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. We saw it with our own eyes. We heard it with our own ears. This is not a cleverly invented story. It is the absolute undeniable truth. And so circling back to the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know the earth. You and I know the earth. We live life in the earth on the earth we live and move but god does not want us to be ignorant about heaven he's revealed himself to us in many ways and he continues to reveal himself to us he's always whispering we've got to tune our ears to listen he's pulled back the veil there's something more he wants to tell us this world is not all there is don't just become so consumed with this world that you, you neglect the next. This transfiguration of Jesus, you know what it was? It was the, the trailer. It was the preview of the coming attraction of the new kingdom. And so tomorrow is Monday, and we begin the routine. Maybe not tomorrow, Memorial Day. Tuesday, we begin the routine of a, another week. And it is so easy for us just to slip back into routines that that are maybe tiresome, routines where we forget that there's something more. God invites us up the mountain. We don't have a mountain here, but he's given us something better than a mountain. He's given us his son. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We can come before God at any time through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. And God says, I will meet with you. This veil that separates heaven and earth, it's not thick. It's very, very thin. Lord, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Join me as we pray. Lord, uh, like the disciples, we we need to see you. We need to, to hear from you. Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us. We pray that you'd pull back the veil. And Lord, uh, more importantly, tune our our eyes, tune our ears to to see and to hear. Lord, you say those who seek you will find you. And so Lord, we lift up this summer to you. We pray that this summer would be a a season of of fellowship where we, we come into your presence often. Lord, we live daily in the mind of your presence. Lord, reveal yourself to us and use us for your purposes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.